Welcome, welcome, welcome. Not two welcomes, three welcomes. How is the two welcomes? What a world, welcome. I have no idea how this direction this is going to go, by the way, but. Welcome, welcome to the Linen Suit and Plastic Tie podcast. This is the podcast where we dissect and analyze the amazing, the suspenders, the excelsior, the incredible power of storytelling, and learn how to harness it to supercharge our everyday lives. I'm Gorf. And I'm Kevin. This is our second take to the start of this episode because Gorf started with three welcomes rather than two, which is how our episodes always started. So, Gorf, why two? Instead of three welcomes. Have we not always done two well? It's usually two welcomes, Yvonne. It's always been two welcomes, but not yeah. why, why not three is the question. I don't know. Welcome, welcome, welcome sounds weird. Welcome, welcome sounds better. I don't know. The story what you want a story? Um this the power of the welcome storytelling. I don't know. It sounds better, you know. Um I wanna be very welcoming, but not too welcoming. <laughs> well, there you have it. We are a welcoming podcast, but we are not overwhelmingly welcoming. If, you, if this is your first time listening to our podcast, I want you to know that this podcast is about storytelling. <laughs> if that wasn't clear. Um, you know, we're an interesting podcast doer because uh, while I'm a talker, um, my, my sounding of words ain't great. <laughs> um, I grew up, you know, when I was a kid in uh, elementary school and middle school, I think. I had a speech coach because I always I had trouble with words um, like my eyes sounded like W's and things like that. I had trouble like like speaking clearly and I still do like especially when I'm nervous or when I'm talking really fast. I mumble and I um, people have un- trouble understanding me, which, by the way, is not the best traits for a podcast host. <laughs> and um, so I always had like a kind of a trouble with my speech. Um, I had, yeah, I had a coach and everything. And you, you, English isn't even your first language. It is a common thing across all language learners, especially kids at a certain age. Th- there is that field in linguistics that specializes in helping kids work through their consonants. Honestly, I just remember having to put my tongue really far back in my mouth and mm-hmm. uh, it always like itching when I was trying to do one of the letters. I don't remember which one, but um, yeah, no, but I, I still, you know, struggle with pronunciation certain words. So being a podcast host for both of us is a, is a leap, but I think it's an interesting thing when you're in a partnership, when you, uh, when your individual stories kind of intertwine to one uh, combined story, right? And I think that's one of the cool things about our partnership is we both have very unique styles. We both have very unique impediments and we both have very unique overall skills and it intertwines to one cohesive story because partnership storytelling is very different than telling your own individual story. And speaking of partnership, today we are talking to a very exciting duel in podcasting as well and in content creation. Uh, today we are talking with Kenzie Grant and Josh Kaplan. Kenzie uh, is right now the host of the Thinking is Cool podcast. And she has also hosted uh, the Business Casual podcast. 
And Josh, together with Kenzie, have co-founded Smooth Ops, which is、uh, a company that help、uh, content creators operate and scale their businesses.、Uh, so we're going to talk to the two of them、uh, about content creation, the creators' economy, modern storytelling, and whatever that means, and a lot of great stories and insights. So let's get to it. Today we. Are so happy to be joined by Kinsey Grant and Josh Kaplan, who Grav and I are huge fans of, and, and they have such amazing and interesting stories and insights. I will tell you about their stories, but I should really leave it up to them to tell their own stories. So, first question goes out to each of you:、uh, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What is your story, respectively? Well. I'll go first. Hello, thank you so much for having us.、Um, I'm Kinsey, as anybody might have、uh, guessed by the sound of my voice. I don't exactly sound like a Josh.、Uh, I'm Kinsey. I am the host of the Thinking Is Cool podcast, and I also write the Thinking Is Cool newsletter. I am a journalist. I am a New Yorker. I'm somebody who is in my latish twenties. Uh, almost late twenties.、Uh, I try to define myself these days based on more than just what I do for a living.、Uh, that's something that I focused a ton on over the last year. But right now in my life, what I do for my job has taken a huge priority over everything else, which I think is appropriate at times and during certain seasons of life. So that's why I mentioned thinking is cool. I'm also one of the co-founders of Smooth Operations and Creator Services, which I'll let Josh explain just a little bit more. But it's a business that we started to help creators build. Scale their businesses、uh, and grow in a way that feels really natural, allowing them to do what they do best, which is create great content and tell great stories.、Uh, so we are big fans of high quality content creators,、um, and I love writing, love podcasting,、uh, and have been at it now for a couple of years. Josh and I first met when we were at Morning Brew, where I started as a newsletter writer, but eventually built and、uh, hosted their first podcast, Business Casual. We did that for about. A year and a half together, and then eventually went on to、uh, greener pastures here to start our own entrepreneurial journey、uh, and take some risks and have some fun doing it. So that's what we've been up to for the past months:、uh, building thinking is cool, building smooth ops, and、uh, learning a lot along the way. I'm Josh. I'm Kinsey Sprout. <laughs> I. I have a, my own story. I, obviously, over the past couple of years, ours has been quite intertwined, which has been very fortunate. Prior to that, grew up in Miami, went to the University of Michigan, knew I wanted to get into business in some sort, but had really no idea. I was just kind of going one foot in front of the other, taking up weird projects and getting into trouble in all all sorts of ways, which maybe we'll get to some good stories. I、uh, but I met the Morning Brew founders at Michigan. Ended up there a year after I graduated school, and away we went for this journey. And it's led to a lot of really interesting conversations. Have met a lot of really interesting people, and I think that's really like what I like to do at my core, which is lead these projects. Say that's a crazy idea. Let's see if we can make it real. And that's in professional. That's in personal. I also live in New York City, and that's well. We'll get to the good stuff, but that's. That's me right now, Kinsey. What did I miss about myself? You took so、mm. much of my urgency. Oh no, you're you're a Libra or a Leo. What are you again? I'm a Leo. I'm a Leo. <laughs>、uh, but I, I think both of us, both Kinsey and I, are like very early in these ventures.、Uh, like the Morning Brew, phenomenal. Where you're still in the very beginning stages of this smooth ops and thinking is cool chapter. 
And there's a lot ahead of us that we're very excited about that we talk about a lot that we have a lot of random ideas around. So this is fun to get to talk to people about those things. Yeah, I mean, that's so cool. I love that you guys left Morning Brew and then started two separate startups <laughs> um, that both, I'm sure, take incredibly long amount of time. And that's awesome. Uh, Kinsey, before we get really deep, I, I'm curious about what you were saying about not defining yourself by what you do for a living, because that's really interesting. You know, the reason we ask such a vague and overarching question at the beginning is we like uh, we love to hear how people tell their own stories because it really tells us a lot about their values. Um, why have you made such a concerted effort not to define yourself by what you do for a living and why is that important to you? Yeah, it's something that is new to me and obviously something that I'm not very good at yet, seeing as I define myself pretty quickly by what I actually do do for a living. Uh, I, I worked for two and a half years for a company that I loved every moment of. I got an incredible experience working at Morning Brew, but it was really time consuming and taxing and it it became so much of who I was what I did for a living um, just by nature by virtue of the fact that you know I, I was spending most of my waking hours thinking about this job working six-ish days a week most weeks um, building new things and of course there were enormous benefits that came along with that but when I left Morning Brew I kind of found that I didn't know how to define myself I didn't know who I was outside of my job and at the time I was you know, 26 years old and all of a sudden realized what have I been doing for the last four years since I've become a real adult? What have I been focused on? What are my priorities? What are my values aside from what I do to get a paycheck every month or twice a month, right? And there's so much more that we can bring to the table than just what we do for a living. Of course, that's a huge part of me. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I am in a position now where I can do what I truly love, something that I'm very passionate about and still make a living doing it. But I wanted to be able to define myself outside of those terms, because I think the more emphasis we put early in our careers on our careers impacting who we are as people, the worse we set ourselves up for uh, later in life. I think that we'll eventually all get to a point where what you do is just what you do. It's not who you are. And I want to emphasize that as early and often as possible in my early life, because I think it's really important. Um, and it's also just kind of a reminder to anybody working in the startup world and kind of the startup culture, it's very easy to just define yourself by what you do. And I find myself falling into that trap all the time, right? Like do as I say, maybe not as I do, uh, but it's it's important to me. And um, I think that we are so much more than just our job description. Yeah, and then for Josh, um, oh, for both of you, but as you build kind of these startups, is that something you really try to ingrain from the earliest levels? Because in the startup world, it's kind of difficult to kind of walk that walk, especially you two have two separate. So as you build this and you build teams, how do you kind of like build that into the, the narrative of the culture? Boundaries, boundaries number one, planning number two. We are not building families over here. We all have our own families. We say this when we recruit people at any level. We say this to each other is that we can be friends, we can be teammates, but this is not some family. Like, I really don't like that narrative that was spun in a lot of different startups and you read these books and you hear these stories. It's like, that is not what we want to fall down into. And if you work a solid amount of hours consecutively and you're smart about how you spend your time, you can be really, really productive. You do not need to work 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. plus to get things done in this world. You can be a lot more calculated about it. And we have not risen, we have not raised venture money. So we're not having this clock behind us that is forcing us to natural clip. 
And, and we're just, we're, we're trying to be very mature about that and think about how, think with long-term perspectives and to say, this does not need to all happen tomorrow. But if this time next year, we have all these things accomplished, we'll all collectively be very happy and we'll have gotten to have other experiences in this world. And, and we want to really make that a priority. And I hope if we keep saying it over and over again, we'll actually live true to it. But it's something that means a lot to both Kinsey and I and Jenny, who's our other co-founder on the smooth ops level. And I think we can follow through with it. It's, a, it's like this biggest crime is our friends that work at ginormous companies, big banks, publicly traded brands. And they think because they're getting paid a nice salary that their company owns all of their time. And we want to fight against that in our own little bubble. Well, I don't know if we get to change the entire capitalist structure of America, but for our small teams and the people that we interact with, this is the impact and the lifestyle and the success that we want to define. That's really interesting. Yeah, that whole narrative, like co-workers, teammates, not families, is is so important, especially as this new culture of work-life balance has become so different, especially as we work from home. Um, I, I, you know, Kinsey, you mentioned that the, you were at the, the two of you were doing business casual for like a year and a half. I can't believe it was only a year and a half. You guys did so many cool interviews. Like, I remember uh, I, I listened to the first one when it came out uh, with Scott Galloway because we're huge fans of Scott Galloway. He's a UCLA alum. We have to be. Um, <laughs> yes. So um, you guys really, you, you guys worked with a lot of really cool creators. I would love to hear both of you, your favorite storyteller. Uh, and why? Oh, this is an interesting one. Um, I think over the span of the entire time that I was the host of Business Casual, I did 138 interviews or or so. I think it was a, almost exactly 138. Um, so it's difficult to, to pick just one. Scott is an obvious uh, callback just because he is you know, you think what you want about Scott and his investment strategy or, or whatever you want to talk about here. But um, Scott is an incredibly talented storyteller, somebody who is just just such an effective communicator. Um, he has these little quips that stick for a reason, right? He has some that he revisits, of course, like we all do, but he comes up with these ideas that are such effective means of communicating a point to somebody, which I think is just really, really admirable and important. Um, but there are so many other incredible storytellers that I got to hear from. Um, I loved talking to, um, I remember in the early days, Reshma Saljani. Um, she was a great one. There was, you know, Mark Cuban was a great one. A lot of the sharks from Shark Tank were a lot of fun. Um, and, but I, you know, I think one of my favorites, which is maybe a little like hokey, but I got to interview one of my favorite college professors, one of my econ professors about um, what was going on at the time with the Fed because he was the person who taught me why all of this mattered. And so I figured who better to explain to the audience why all of this matters than the person who showed it all to me, who taught it all to me in you know, 2014. Uh, and that was a really fun experience to kind of go back to my storytelling roots with somebody who was an effective teacher to me. Um, those were some of the highlights, but you know, it's, it's cool to hear anybody's story. I'm a, I'm a firm believer that everybody has a story to tell. You just have to put them in the right frame of mind to feel comfortable telling it everybody has had an interesting life i believe that 100 percent um and it's just getting people to feel comfortable enough to share that with the world i think we had a very similar experience too when uh, we we've interviewed a couple times one of our favorite professors um who we know quite well um and it, they were just so chaotic because we knew her <laughs> and it's like trying to frame it trying to keep the structure is really difficult yeah yeah 
so Josh, I'd love to hear from you as well uh, throughout your experience, favorite storytellers, lessons. There were a handful of really big names that were interesting. Eric Schmidt, Reed Hastings, Barbara Corcoran, and you get on with them. And especially because three of those that I mentioned were remote, they were during COVID. So they're still in COVID. Uh, you're like, they're just at home fumbling with Zoom and they're really and they're doing their thing and they're smart and they're successful, but they're still just humans. And then sometimes we'd be introduced to somebody that had incredible things to say that I would have never thought to reach out to if it wasn't through our job. Uh, Afton Betchery, who runs Modern Fertility, right? I, I did that right? Yeah. Uh, she had incredible stuff to say. Chef JJ, who is a chef, obviously. He had some really interesting things to say about uh, food and restaurants during COVID as well. Um, the fat Jewish, who obviously is famous and is just like this caricature of himself, was so giving with his time right before. It was, this was one of our last in-person interviews. And I don't think anybody had ever asked him such specific questions about his business persona. And when Kinsey was getting to the core of that, he became this wealth of knowledge that I never heard him talk about, even though I had seen him on the Netflix documentary, I had been following him on social. And we were able to uncover this completely untouched side of him that I think us and a lot of our listeners had never seen before. So those are the ones that come to mind as well. Um, and even with the new show, we've been able to talk to a lot of interesting people that might not have like that CEO publicly traded company title on, but the stuff that we get out of them is like completely mind altering and just can really change your perspective on a topic that you would have never expected to have that perspective on. Yeah, I, I love those types of stories, especially because, you know, with really successful creators and people forget about how much work goes into that, the consistency, the the branding, the my, the partnerships, the entire image, because even especially the silliest ones, you know, um, we've had some cool creators here and you forget about how much ingenious there is to really be successful, especially in this like hyper world where everyone can be a creator and everyone has access to a camera and TikTok. Yeah, and 138 interviews. <laughs> Grom and I, we, we need to step our games up. <laughs> I wouldn't um, recommend it. <laughs> obviously a great feat, but moving the timeline forward a, a little bit, we also want to you know learn about your experience in The Morning Brew. To, to you guys, you know, what were the unique elements of uh, the Morning Brew's uh, storytelling style that really lent itself to podcasting? What uh, made the show work to your perspectives? I think in the early days, it was a, a huge um, approachability play, in all honesty. Um, we had an audience of people, you know, as it grew, the the audience, the their understanding of business naturally evolved for the core newsletter. As you add in more people, you might add in a lot of people who don't know what inflation means or who don't know who the Shark Tank judges are, right? And I think that what we did really well in the early days was to be that approachable resource for people who maybe didn't know all of this. And if you did, it wasn't 
boring. It wasn't, you know, redundant. But if you didn't understand, I, I could ask that one quick question about, okay, can you just explain what EBITDA stands for, right? That was really helpful for people because it made the show approachable from a whole spectrum of backgrounds for, for listeners. Uh, and I think that that was important. And it was also just honest. I was, I mean, I think when I was 24 when we started the show, so I didn't know a lot about the world around me. And that was totally normal. Like it, it is not expected that everybody understands everything when they're in their 20s. And so I would ask questions in a way that was honest and transparent. And if I didn't get it, I would ask about it. I would ask the questions that you would probably have as a listener. And I think that that was a huge lesson for us in the early days. It's honestly informed a lot of the content that I do today as well. A lot of my uh, work with thinking is cool is following natural human curiosity. And I love that that is part of my job, that I get to just ask the questions that I think people would find interesting and then write about them and then talk about them on a podcast. Um, so that I think was a, a big differentiator. And it was kind of you know part and parcel of the morning brew ethos of being effective and informative, but also just engaging and honest and approachable. Uh, and that was a big part of the early podcast, definitely. Only thing I have to add is it, it was like the eth the morning brew ethos was people was humans. So it's Kenzie coming in every day and thinking about how she can make the show better. Marilyn, the producer, Samir, who is our, our head of content, Austin and Alex, Neil, the managing editor. Like there were a lot of people that put a lot of effort and love into that show and deforming the tone of it that shone through. Like you talked about how anybody can be a creator and anybody can technically be a creator because we have the technical ability. We have phones, the, the hosting platforms are free. The distribution is free. Sure, whatever. But to find a group of people that are really bright and really focused on the same thing is what I think is one of the hardest parts right now when it comes to being a creator. I would love to actually take a step back now because, you know, we've talked a little bit about Thinking School. I think because we are listeners of Thinking School, we know a little bit about the show. But I would love to hear the two of you define it. What is the show? What is the goal? I, I want to hear Josh's answer first for this one. As a person who doesn't write the show. About what the show is? Write it. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty biased as well. <laughs> Thinking is cool as a show is Kinsey's exploration into things that are really impactful and interesting in this world right now, really for, for us. It, it is a deeply personal show for Kinsey about her thinking about things and that that journey of her thinking through things, reflecting on her past experiences, thinking about things that are buzzy in the world right now that might be taboo or that might be really hard to understand because there's so many moving pieces. I think one of Kinsey's best talents as a journalist is reframing narratives. It's saying everybody's writing about this angle. We all think it's there, but this is what I think is actually going to be really interesting, impactful when we look at it 10 years from now, not just one day from now. I think Kinsey's phenomenal at that. And so this allows her to be her most creative self as she gets to those conclusions and gets to those. Maybe it's just another question. Maybe it's a new thesis point. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know the answer to this, but I feel like I've given it, you know, Kinsey's given it a couple of weeks of production and research. She then puts it into 45 minutes. And after 45 minutes of storytelling, I'm okay with only taking it this far because climate change is so freaking complicated. We're not going to solve it right here, right now, but this is my perspective. So if I get into this conversation with a friend in a couple of weeks, I can give you a much more thoughtful multi-perspective, you know, multi-angle piece to this. I thinking is cool is, and as a brand, not just a show, it is how can we 
have more interesting conversations. What's cool is very subjective, but we felt together and we had been doing stuff before the show had really launched uh, as the two of us. And it's like, this stuff needs to be talked about. We shouldn't shy away from it. Let's stop telling ourselves the same story at the dinner table every time with our friends. And we want to create a community of people that also feel that way, that want to think about where the world is going. And this is, this is our platform to do that. And it's something that we just like naturally really, really like to do. How'd I do? Did I pass? I think you pass with flying colors. And thank you for the compliment. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, it's an accurate description. It's just, these are the issues that I think will be the drivers of discourse for a certain extended period of time. Um, and a lot of it has been born of the fact that, you know, Josh and I are two very much online people, um, as the saying goes. And I have found myself at certain times over the last, especially the last two years, but kind of throughout my, my working life over the last four and a half, five years, you see something that you feel like you have to have an opinion about, right? And so your opinion is colored incredibly impactfully by the first thing that you see on Twitter, the first hot take that you see, the first here's a thread that you see, that then impacts everything that you think about that issue going forward because you just feel like you have to think something. But I want to, I want to step away from that. I want to actively push against that because I don't think that that creates a more thoughtful conversation. I think that just creates this feeling that if you don't have an opinion, then you're uninformed. But really what's uninformed is forming an opinion based on just the first hot take that you see. Everything is a flash in the pan. And I don't think that that's the way that we get better. I don't think that's the way that we have more thoughtful conversations. I think we need to give ourselves time and space. And I think one of the first things that we talked about when we were building this show is how can we encourage people to like step back, look up at the clouds, think twice about something, like go touch grass, we always say. That is what's so important to make people more thoughtful. And I think a lot of our biggest problems today could be solved by people just being a little bit more thoughtful about thinking a little harder, about having a conversation and thoughtfully disagreeing with somebody and respectfully disagreeing with people, um, not just getting into you know, fights in the DMs or, or on a Twitter feed. What I find really interesting there is kind of, you guys have built a couple of shows now together and you're expanding your show and you get to play with that interesting podcast format and you have a startup together. So obviously you two must like each other. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about how your partnership works as two unique storytellers and blending your vision kind of together to make one central voice? I think if I had to boil it down to one concept, it's just trust. Um, I really trust Josh, not only with like finding a lawyer and accountant, you know, but also with, with pushing me to be the best storyteller that I can be. I know that Josh has um, like experienced a lot alongside, like as I'm going through it, he's the one helping me through a script or through an outline or pushing me to think differently about something or even saying like, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Can you go a little deeper? Can you explain this a little bit more effectively? Can you make it more personal? What do you feel comfortable pushing here? What do you feel comfortable taking out here to have that person who um, is willing to kind of like step into the creative process with you is incredible. Um, and I, I don't think that the show would be as good as it is without having that element of trust, of knowing that this is somebody who's seen me at my best and has also like looked at a script and said, hey, you can do better than this. Um, that has been a huge part of the success, I think. And it's not easy to find people that you trust, especially in like the content creation realm. It's really personal to give somebody a draft of your work and say like, all right, 
tell me what needs to change. Um, so it's, it's important to do that with people who you feel are going to be honest with you. Um, and that's kind of the creative aspect. There's also the, the idea that Josh and I kind of have what I would consider to be pretty complementary skill sets in terms of creating a bigger business around content. I tend to have like these big creative bursts where all of a sudden I have a million ideas and then sometimes I don't, right? But Josh is like pretty steady with all of the, the business things that he knows how to do that I don't. Like Josh can do Excel and I don't, <laughs> but I can look at a blank Google doc and write a script. Josh and I have what I think to be um, a pretty good like matching set of uh, what I can't do, he can and hopefully vice versa. Sometimes, not all the time. <laughs> I don't give away company secrets as easily as Kenji does. I don't have much to add to that. I, I think it's like respect as well. Just like it takes time. I, I imagine when other people start companies, they search much longer and harder to find co-founders, I, I guess like partnerships in general. And um, we had the luxury again with Jenny as well of working together and making mistakes and learning things and getting to know each other. And so it's like built on that track record of, of like trust and respect. And like, I've never doubted Kinsey or Jenny for a second. And that's just like, I don't know how I would have gotten to that place if I met Kinsey last month or at the beginning of season one. Uh, so I think we're very fortunate to have had that morning brew experience and to get to work with each other and then to get to do this. So I, I don't know, I, I feel very lucky about it. And we check in quite often and we try and, talk about things we disagree a lot so nothing bubbles up and i think if like we're not on it yeah it's just like any other relationship you have to communicate <laughs> to do all these things um but we we are very intentional about it to make sure that what's good can keep being good yeah that's great and, and i think the outcome of that uh the relationship about trust and respect really shows in all these great podcasts the great content you have consistently created also kind of want to go back to what thinking is cool is about because you both talked a lot about, you know, the show being an important instrument for people to have interesting conversations uh, and do so with real thinking involved. So from your creative standpoint, what are the principles of creation and storytelling uh, that you would ingrain into the uh, content you produce to foster this kind of real thinking? What an interesting question. I think that a lot of it comes down to being as authentic as possible. Um, and, you know, from a business perspective, people like people, people don't like big concepts, right? People can relate a lot better to I am Kinsey Grant and I don't understand this. Let's go through it together. So I think from from a business perspective, it makes sense. That's it's good business. It's good audience building to be authentic and to be your your most authentic self. But I also just think from a, a actual creation standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, it's incredibly important to be authentic as well. Um, you know, like I said before, if you're curious about something, chances are somebody else is also curious about that. Um, and if you approach it from a really honest place of here's why I'm so interested in this, here's what my personal story was, that might resonate with people just as much as the general blanket curiosity. Uh, in an episode that I did about Greek life, I spoke at length about my own experience and, um, you know, like the, the traumatic things that happened to me when I was on campus and how that changed my entire worldview. And people got it, you know, and people might not have experienced the same exact things as I did, but they had an equivalent kind of experience, or they could really put themselves in my shoes and understand where I was coming from with that. So I think it's really important to, as much as you're comfortable, present when you're trying to effectively storytell. 
Um, and a lot of that I get to do and all I do it in the podcast every single week, but um, I get to kind of test the the limits of how deeply personal I want to get with the audience in one of I send two newsletters a week through thinking is cool. And in my Friday newsletter, it's kind of the space where I cultivate those deeper, more personal ideas about like, friendship and like my dog dying. <laughs> those are the things that have made me who I am and have made me the content creator that I am or the storyteller that I am. And to get to share that with people is a huge privilege and, and something that I, I really do value deeply. And I think it all is just centered in this idea of like bringing your most authentic self to the internet every single day and having fun and like saying you don't understand something and being kind to other people, even if you disagree with them, like all of that should be at the you know core of what we're doing with thinking is cool. And I think that it is most days. What I find really interesting there is I kind of hear that cross between when with all your answers, Kenzie, that cross between journalists and, and business, uh, because you come from a journalism roots and then business kind of came through, if I'm correct, came through through your experience at Morning Brew. That's when you kind of got that business aspect. Can you tell me about how that affects your storytelling coming from a journalism roots? Yeah, I, I like to still consider myself a journalist 100%. You know, my approach to journalism today has definitely uh, been a lot based on the idea that like journalism itself is morphing and evolving as we speak. Um, the idea that the only way that you can be a journalist is to go work for a newspaper in some small town is really outdated. Um, I think today we have a lot more understanding and a lot more empathy for journalists who want to involve themselves in the story a little bit to to an appropriate extent, right? I'm not going to let myself color the story just because that's not good journalism. Um, but I think that approaching it from an honest and open perspective, recognizing that nobody can be completely objective, it's, it's impossible. Journalists will tell you that they can, but they can't. You just can't. Um, but I think owning that and saying, here's my lived experience and here's how it's informing the way that I'm going about telling this story has been really effective. So um, you know, I'm still a journalist. I just tell my stories in a different way today than I did when I was like a stock market reporter. And I think that's appropriate. I think it's okay as long as you're honest about it. And as long as you're completely transparent with the audience that here's where my opinion is, <laughs> here's where the news stops and my opinion starts. I think that's totally okay. Um, and then from a business perspective, you know, it's, it's not something I always envisioned myself doing when I was younger. I didn't ever think that I would be like, I hate saying it, an entrepreneur, but um, I am and, and I love it. And I, I love building things. And I think that today we are at this really unique point in time where journalists can be business people at the same time. We can build entire businesses around the content that we put our heart and soul into. And I think that that is so incredible and I want to make the most of that. And I think that's a lot of what we're doing with Smooth Ops is to help creators take advantage of this unique moment in time and help them to create businesses around what they love doing. Um, and I, I love to get to be a part of people's experience in doing all of that. And before we do our last segment, I want to turn to Josh really quick. And I want to ask you about Smooth Ops and the creator economy. So can you tell us what is the creator economy and how is that going to change storytelling in the next five to 10 years? Huge question. Massive question. The creator economy is this big transition, I think mostly in, in media right now, and then we can think about it as internet entrepreneurship second or the next phase. But we see content creators, YouTubers, podcasters, newsletters, Kinsey included. Kinsey is a creator, even though I still think it's kind of a funny word. And it's those storytellers, those people creating digital content or just content in general used to work at a media company where by and large, they were a cost of the media company. 
And I think with the next generation of social media and what we're talking about where the barriers to entry to creating and distributing content are so low, the content creator can now retain ownership of their content and their financial upside. I think that is the creator economy is, is taking that version of independence and saying, I can do it. I don't just have to work for somebody else and I can do it on my terms and I can choose what the show is and who to interview, et cetera. And there are so many tools that are making this more available. And there's so many more people that are becoming interested in this type of career path, which I think is, is inevitable and super interesting where we've decided to insert ourselves is to help build creator businesses as much as technology and these platforms and whatever other tools are there. If creators want to build significant businesses, I'm talking 5 million plus a year, hopefully much, much more than that, but I'm saying millions of dollars. They cannot do it themselves at a human, a producer, a manager, a whole list of people. And we are in the business of helping build those businesses. So thinking is cool can have certain services that we provide because it's a very early stage show. We've had two seasons and 20 episodes. We've barely scratched the surface of what we can do and what Kinsey can do. And as it grows, I can see it getting its own editorial assistant, its own general manager and operating as a a fairly independent company that Kinsey is the majority owner and leader of. And then as Smooth Ops, we're, we're there to help strategize, advise, operate, get in there. And we're working with a couple other creators already to do that, where we say, we want you guys to own the majority. We don't want you to be fully reliant on us like an agency. We want to build a company that can grow. And that's why we want to have equity positions. We want to be long-term partners. Uh, but that that is what we do. So we have a team of operating associates. We have a team of brand partner managers who do a lot of the media sales and ad sales. And just with one creator at a time, we're learning more and more about how we can do this better. And there's a whole world out there that's exploding. What what I love about what you're saying in uh, Smooth Off the Whole is you're not trying to like just duplicate the agency system. Uh, you're making something completely new for the creator economy, understand the unique aspects of certain creators, understand that there's so many different revenue streams. You're doing this in a very non-cookie cutter way and just kind of learning as you go. And I think that's really interesting and inspiring. To wrap up every one of our episodes, we have this segment called Suspenders. It works like this. Uh, We ask you a fun, random question that's unrelated to anything, and you can give us any fun, random answer you feel like. You both get to answer this. Our question of the day is... What would be your first question after waking up from being cryogenically frozen for a hundred years? Oh man. Oh my gosh. I can't pick. I have like four that popped into my head immediately. The first one was, uh, how big is the gender wage gap? (laughs) Don't know why that came to me first. Um, and then like, what's the status on climate change? feels important am i cryogenically frozen at this age at 26 yes Yes. i'm gonna say yes (laughs) honestly like where's my family probably would be my actual first question like are the people i love also there also cryogenically frozen (laughs) how would you ask though are you are they there that's like 
that's a I don't know how what the answer to that would be. Like, yeah, their your grandchild is older than you in the next room. I don't know if I would want that's if you didn't have Absolutely. anybody you loved a hundred years from well, now. Well, I'm frozen right there. now. I've got no children. If I'm no, if I've got no children, all my friends would be dead. So yeah. I'd have like great nieces and nephews, I guess. This is a tough one. And this is uh, a tough one. <laughs> you clearly <laughs> thrown us for a loop here. <laughs> I don't know. I think that the next hundred years are going to be crazy. Like my my grandpa, who's ninety three, is always like, "The world looks a lot different than when I got started." And I was like, "Yeah." That's a lot of years from now. Things did look different when he grew up in the Great Depression and fought in Korea. So I think we have no idea. I just want to be like, what's going on? What does the world look like is what I'd want to know. Like, are we in space all of a sudden? Like, what's going on with stuff like that? Um, What's the price of Bitcoin? That'd be another good question. Um, (laughs) I have all the good weak ones. I I think I'd probably want to know about my family and friends and then space. That's my final answer, which is answers. But that's what I'm locking in. I love the Bitcoin question. That that's really interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yours, both of yours are so deep. It's way too deep. I probably would ask something like, "Are NFTs still a thing?" And how? <laughs> we'll be on to Web six by then. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for giving us your time. This was an incredibly interesting conversation, and I think we learned so much about storytelling and brand creation, and even the creator economy. So, I really, really appreciate both of you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. This was great. Everyone should like and share the episode. Share with all your friends. Get the show to pop off. Welcome back to Top Hat. This is the part of the episode where we dissect and analyze some of the key learnings we just got from this week's Expert Storyteller. 2022 Season 2 Episode 2 our first episode with two expert storytellers. It's just a pair of aces today, Kev. Yep. That was that was some great riffing on what I said, mm-hmm. Kevin. I mean, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. And it's the back and forth. That's what people come for. It's mm-hmm. doing a great job. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so today we had uh, Kenzie Grant and Josh Kaplan, their uh, podcasting duo. It's, it was so interesting, Kev, you know, uh, this is the first time we've interviewed two people and they're also a podcasting duo that, you know, I've told a lot of great stories over the years. And um, it, it was really cool to listen to two people and see how kind of their unique storytelling flavors and quirks and inspirations mold together to make one central story. So without further ado, let us get into our takeaways from this conversation. First thing first, and we've talked about this over and over again, actually, uh, in the podcast, because it is that important, uh, is that authenticity is crucial uh, to storytelling for content creators, especially uh, because in Josh and Kinsey's case, thinking it's cool podcast is one where they explore very different topics and foster real thinking. And the key to fostering real thinking and, and creating content that uh, invite people to connect with is that you need to be able to share, you know, your authentic curiosity to certain topics or or your authentic experiences, thoughts, and feelings, and that is what allows uh, your audience to better uh, understand and relate to you. Is what allows them to connect 
with you and your content, we we talk about you know storytelling being the 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 vehicle of human connection. Yeah, and you know, I think one of the the really important parts she talked about was this idea that she comes from a journalism route, roots, right? And it's such a huge part of her storytelling technique is asking these questions, the ability to ask thought-provoking questions, not just because she thinks an audience would like it, not just because uh, she's trying to get a lot of views, but because she's genuinely interested. And that's something both that Josh and Kinsey do really well is this idea of finding authentic storylines and things that they are interested in, things that they want to experience, things that they want to study. And it's something super important Kinsey talked about with uh, Business Casual, her first podcast was uh, the idea of approachability, how important it was for that podcast not to just be interesting to the big business people because of all the cool guests, but also the people who didn't know much. And, you know, it's something that's related to our show, Kev, is that we are very clear that we are not expert storytellers. We're not people who have mastered storytelling and want to share it. We're people who are genuinely interested in storytelling as a field. And we're meeting with these people who have mastered a subset or an interesting part of storytelling. And we're asking genuine, easy, approachable questions because we're just trying to understand. And I think that's such an important part of any podcast is making it approachable, giving yourself the ability to ask potentially dumb and simple questions just because those are the route to some of the most interesting conversations. This has been another great episode of the Linen Sit and Plastic Type podcast. If you like our content, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at LSBGPod, on LinkedIn, Linen Sit and Plastic Type podcast. Leave us a review or comment uh, wherever you listen to let us know what you're thinking. We really want to hear from you. We really want to make you a part of our show. So reach out. We're excited to hear what you think. Have a great one.